Welcome to the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast. I am so glad that you took the time to be here with me today. This episode has the potential to be provocative. Hoping that I get lots of love letters about this one, about how helpful it was, but I think I might get equal parts hate mail, or at least some debating, because this is a really big, important topic that people have a lot of passion around, and I'm going to give you potentially a new way of looking at it that won't be very surprising if you've listened to my podcast in the past or read anything I've written, uh, but still, it can be a little jarring. So speaking of jarring, let me start with an email that a client sent me last week. She was really, really struggling with thoughts she was having about her former boss. Now, this boss doesn't work at the company, but before he left, um, he left a review for her, media review, review for her, that she was not happy about. And she sent me an email saying, can you talk me off the ledge? And so I did. I responded with nothing new, everything that we've worked on before, but reminders. And she responded back, thank you. That was the most loving slap in the face I've ever received. Now, I like to think not that I'm slapping somebody in the face, but maybe that I'm splashing a refreshing cold cup of water in their face. And actually, Tony Robbins does that to people to help them stop the loop and hopefully laugh and hopefully not punch you, but get on a new neural pathway, a new thinking track that helps calm your nervous system and help you think better so you feel better. So that is what I am endeavoring to do today, is give you a loving splash of water in the face. Now this one is all about your past. And a lot of people ask me, what is the difference between therapy and coaching? And the first thing I say is, well, coaches are not trained therapists, for one. And I've never been a therapist, I don't have the certification of a therapist, and I haven't experienced a lot of therapy myself. I'll tell you about a couple things I have experienced. So that is the, the, at least the most important thing for me, or one of the most important things. Second, coaches don't diagnose. We don't try and determine what kind of pathology you have. And if we were to, for some reason, think you might have a pathology, we would have you get some help. Like if I was working with somebody who I think might be depressed, I'm not qualified to help that. I can help with some things, but they would want to see somebody who is actually trained to help with that. The other big distinguishing factor between coaches and therapists is that coaches, for the most part, do not delve into your past. Because for coaching purposes, it doesn't matter. So let me give you a blurb from Tony Robbins. He said, coaches do not diagnose. 
Therapists determine illnesses and pathologies so they can be clinically treated. Therapists analyze their client's past, and this is particularly psychotherapists, as a tool for understanding present behavior, where coaches simply identify and describe current problematic behaviors so the client can work to modify them. So coaches, we start at the present, and we help you envision your future, your desired future. We also help you envision where your future is going to go if you don't make changes. And then what changes do we need to put in place to get you to that desired future? Now, not all kinds of therapy are past-based. So I mentioned psychotherapy is definitely past-based. I'll say more about that in a minute. Um, Cognitive behavioral therapy, also known as CBT. This is the one that is most like coaching, and it focuses on thinking and behavior and problem-solving. But it's used to take someone from sort of non-functioning to functioning to address psychological disorders, like um, obsessive-compulsive disorder. So cognitive behavioral therapy can do wonders for that. Then there's um, something I've experienced to help with PTSD, which is EMDR, eye, move, eye movement desensitization, I can, easy for me to say, desensitization and reprocessing. And I don't know how it works, but I know somehow it reprograms the brain and helps minimize perceived traumas. Exposure therapy, pretty obvious. This one exposes you to upsetting stimuli to reprogram your fear. Could be with um, OCD again. It could be fear of flying, arachnophobia, you name it, Um, exposure therapy. So psychotherapy, because I haven't experienced it myself, um, I looked up a definition. It is usually long-term. It is focused on the past and unconscious thinking that drives present behavior. It has has its roots in Freud, and he believed that many problems could be solved by making conscious, repressed emotions about childhood experiences. The therapist has the client talk extensively about childhood memories and dreams. Now, as your coach, I don't need to inquire about your past. My job is to help people create a present state that helps them become the person they want to be. Now, this doesn't mean that clients don't sometimes bring up the past. And when they do, I might use the STEER model to ask, what do you feel when you tell yourself that story about your past? And maybe they'll say, really angry or resentful. And then I might say, are you ready to lose the resentment? And sometimes people aren't. They really want to hold on to it. But if they do, I will ask them what they want to feel instead. Maybe peace. And then I'll ask them, what would you need to think about what happened to you in the past in order to feel peace? And then I help them recast what happened into a story that they believe, but that creates peace for them. So sometimes, actually oftentimes, we use the past to explain why we are the way we are today. Maybe we say, I'm tough because I was physically abused. Or I have low self-worth because my dad criticized me all the time. Or I have abandonment issues because I was adopted. But it's not true. We are not our past. Your identity is malleable. And your current personality and identity is based not on what happened to you, but how you interpreted it. I'm going to be quoting a little bit from 
This book I'm reading and devouring called Becoming Supernatural, How Common People Are Doing the Uncommon by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And it's all about healing the body and the brain through thoughts and emotions. And he writes about memory. Throughout our lives, via the different interactions we have at certain times and places with people, things, and objects, our identity evolves into a personality. The quality of these interactions with our external environment creates lasting memories, and these memories shape who we become. We call this process experience, and it is life's experiences that shape us. And as you know, the majority of people's personality is based on past experiences. Coaching gives you a chance to decide how you want to shape your personality, regardless of your past experiences. So let's just get a few facts out there. One, the past is over. It is not happening. It only happens when you recreate it with your thoughts. Fact number two, your memories are not facts. They are subjective based on thoughts and emotions you had during an experience. Another person will have different memories of the same situation. Another fact, you can tell any story about what happened to you in your past. You can cast yourself as victim or as hero or as bystander. You can cast yourself as abused or strengthened. Next fact is resentment about anything that happened in your past is toxic to you now. Resentment literally damages your autonomic nervous system. It will create stress. I once met a man who was absolutely brilliant. And he had so much anger and resentment about past hurts that he was unwilling to forgive. He became very successful in life, uh, at work, became a, an engineer, a very powerful leader with a um, lot of span of control. He even became a kung fu champion, and he was allergic to water. I don't think it's a coincidence that he had so much resentment in him that he was also allergic to water. We hold resentment in our core, and he had a very powerful, determined core, willing to prove anybody wrong, prove that he could do whatever he wanted, but holding on to that rage made him sick. Another fact, no one else is hurt by your existing story about the past, only you. So holding on to that resentment, not hurting other people, only hurting you. And any story, about any event can be upgraded and recast. In a moment, I'm going to be reading some quotes from Byron Katie, and she has worked with people who have experienced tremendous traumas, and people who go to Byron Katie are ready to lose the trauma. They are trying to get out of their situation, so they're going to be more receptive to her work, called The Work. Um, other people who are not ready to trade in their uh, traumas and their stories about their traumas, maybe they need to go to psychotherapy first. I don't know. I am not telling you to fire your psychotherapist. What I am telling you to do is just examine 
the stories you have about your past and see if you're ready to recast them. Because here's the crazy thing. Your body doesn't know the difference between past and present. So when you think about the past and you experience a strong emotion about the thought you have about the past, your body thinks it's there experiencing that event. In other words, your actions, your thoughts, your emotions, cause you to relive the past. Even though it's not happening, your body doesn't know it. So Joe Dispenza, again, of the book Becoming Supernatural, says the body believes that the emotion you are embracing is coming from an experience in your environment. It can't see, so it just assumes this must be happening. But the event is over. The source of your pain is not here in the room with you, but you physically time travel and relive it. He also writes that thoughts cause biochemical reactions in your brain that release chemical signals. And those chemical signals make the body feel exactly the way you were just thinking. And those feelings then cause you to generate more thoughts that make you feel the same way you were just thinking. So if you think a thought that makes you feel angry, your, body, your brain says, give me something else. So it gives you another thought that produces more anger and more anger. And it is really hard to stop that loop. Another truth about the brain, what you pay attention to grows. So when you retell and when you relive your past, you feed it. You literally strengthen the neural pathways for that pattern of thinking and feeling. If you're going to time travel, wouldn't you rather time travel to a better place? Or just be here now in the present moment, grateful for the life you've had up until now and the life you're creating? You have a choice. If you want to do that, you have to upgrade your thoughts. You have to steer your thoughts. In the academy, the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, I had a beautiful, successful woman who had self-esteem and worthiness issues. She wanted to start dating, but she wasn't putting herself out there. And she shared with us that growing up, her mom had told her that she didn't love her and that she only loved her siblings. And she would often ignore her at best. And she had a lot of thoughts about this. Granted, I mean, any of us would think this was a painful situation at the time, right? Very painful. So she had thoughts like it wasn't fair, I'm not lovable, there's something wrong with me. And the emotions she felt were unloved, unworthy. Anger, resentment, sadness. The result was she believed she couldn't trust others and she couldn't let, love, let others love in. She also just felt genuinely unlovable. Which outside looking in, you're going, oh my gosh, you are so lovable. How could, this, how could this even be in your brain? All right, so what are some other thoughts she could have had about that situation? Thoughts now. I'm not saying as a, as a child. It's really hard, hard in the moment to have positive thoughts about this. It can be done. But now, what could she think about that? Well, she could think a lot of things. She could think, my mom was very confused because I am awesome. Or my mom was not prepared for motherhood. Or my mom was damaged and her not loving me had nothing to do with me and everything to do with her thoughts. Or, my mom wasn't loved, 
and I am ending the cycle. She could have even thought, my mom taught me the importance of love, and I will love myself fully and let love in from others because that is my right. Now, if she thought that and believed it, she would feel love and empathy. It is not enough to tell yourself nice things. It is not enough to tell yourself affirmations. You can't just say, I'm lovable, I'm lovable. If you don't believe it, and if you don't have a corresponding strong, powerful, positive emotion like love or gratitude, it will not make it through the brain. I mean, we've all uh, heard, I'm good enough, what is it? I'm, what is it? I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. No, that is not enough. Affirmations don't work. Tony Robbins recommends you do incantations. And one of his favorites is, all I need is within me now. But you got to say it like you believe it. Why does this matter? Because if you want to rewire your brain and posit- positively affect your nervous system, you have to couple a thought with a powerful emotion. So again, from Dr. Joe Dispenza, change can only happen when thoughts are in alignment with the emotional state of our body. You can think positively all you want, but without a corresponding feeling or emotion equal to that thought, the message cannot be felt or understood through the rest of the body. So telling yourself you're loved without feeling loved isn't going to work. So what do you got to do? You got to practice feeling loved. He goes on to say, you could repeat the affirmation, I am fearless, until you're blue in the face. But if it's fear you're actually feeling, the thought, I am fearless, never makes it past the brainstem, which means you're not signaling the body and the autonomic nervous system into a new, specific destiny. The feeling is what produces the emotional charge to stimulate the ANS into a different destiny. Without the feeling, a disconnect remains between your brain and body, between the thought of health and the feeling of health, and you can't embody the new state of being. So this is me again. Every time you repeat a thought coupled with a feeling that is a like emotion, you strengthen the neural pathways for that thought. And this is how you build new neural pathways for lovability, empathy for whatever you're trying to believe and feel. These new beliefs and emotions will drive different actions, which will get you different results. You can give power to the past, or you can power yourself. Here's something Byron Katie says, as long as you think that the cause of your problem is out there, as long as you think that anyone or anything is responsible for your suffering, The situation is hopeless. It means that you are forever in the role of victim and that you're suffering in paradise. So here are a few meta stories, like big beliefs that you could adopt. The first one is, everything that has happened to me was necessary. Here's another one. I had the perfect upbringing to become the person I need to be. And here's another one from Byron Katie. Life is simple. Everything happens for you, not to you. 
Everything happens at exactly the right moment, neither too soon nor too late. You don't have to like it. It's just easier if you do. So you don't have to believe any of those, but it is really easier if you do. A friend recently told me on a walk that her psychotherapist instructed her to sit with the pain about her mother a little longer and tolerate it a little longer. Now, I was really curious because for me, hey, I'm just open to whatever works. So I asked her, so has it brought you relief? And she paused and she said, not in 20 years. <laughs> so I don't know the answer when somebody says, I don't know if I should keep my therapist. But I do know that I would ask myself, how is this working for me? How can I tell? What story do I repeat about the past? Because that is the story I'm strengthening. Am I talking about this over and over and over in the same way? Or am I making new stories? When you upgrade an old interpretation of the past, you won't find freedom immediately. You have to think the new thought and feel the accompanying emotion of love, freedom, and gratitude over and over until that neural pathway, neural pathways, I should say, all those new synapses become stronger than the old story. So you probably know that uh, a while ago, a few months ago, my dog and I were hit by a car while crossing the street. Could have been very, very easy for me to develop PTSD from that. And when I think about what happened, um, I get very strong visuals, and it's hard not to have a very strong accompanying negative emotion. And just last night, I saw some friends that I hadn't seen since before the accident, and they asked me, um, good-naturedly, so what happened? And I told them, well, I don't actually go into what happened, because when I tell you what happened, my mind's eye sees it, and I'm back there. And I don't want to feel the feelings and to see the images of that incident. And one of them said, but doesn't talking about it help? I said, maybe talking about it helps you discover things, but I've already discovered what happened, and I've decided that I want to feel grateful for being alive. And going to that moment doesn't make me feel grateful for being alive. Going to this moment makes me feel grateful for being alive. This isn't denial. It's the opposite. It is confronting your interpretations and remodeling them. It's facing yourself and taking control versus being a victim to painful interactions and interpretations. And please, if you do experience PTSD, Please get help. I know how very painful it is. And I've just had enough practice doing thought upgrades that um, I know what to do in this situation. But I'm telling you, if I fell into it, and if I started having these visions pop into my head uncontrollably, I would go get help from somebody who's trained to help me with this. I know that if I relive the hardest moments in my life over and over, without feeling gratitude, without feeling love, without feeling like they were purposeful and meaningful and necessary, then my nervous system would be traumatized. So I don't do that. I am in love with my life, and I am focusing on the ways that I am healing and I am growing. 
and it is so worth it to reinterpret the past. The past is over. Rewrite the script you've been telling yourself so that you are the hero and not the victim, so you can be free and become the powerful, enlightened person your soul wants you to be. Thank you, my friend. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.